Everybody, just a quick heads up here at the Chicago Podcast Network. We will be doing a special broadcast on December 17th outside the Pickwick Theater in Niles. So, if you're interested in coming to that event, please get tickets through Fandango or Ticketmaster, anything you need to do. Get your tickets ahead of time again. That's December 17th at the Pickwick Theater in Niles, Illinois. Hope you enjoyed today's show. This is a presentation of the Chicago Podcast Network, and here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick. I am Nick Serrano's Editor-in-Chief, and any other superfluous titles you want to give me as in being in charge of the Chicago Podcast Network, joined over Skype by my good buddy AJ Signari. AJ, say hi to the people. Hey people. I love it when he does that. It's so consistently awesome that it uh, warms the cockles of my heart. And that is a Dennis Leary reference for those of you who get it, and those of you who don't. Did not spend the 90s properly. The uh, cockles of your heart. Yes, the cockles of the heart. Maybe below the cockles. Maybe in the subcockle area. Maybe in the liver. Maybe even in the colon. But not in the coacal area, though. Correct. No, <laughs> only in the cockles of the heart. Not the coaca. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what any of it is. I just the know that... The is the where like, alligators and crocodiles have, and you have to go like, actually inside to see if it's male or female. This has already gone off the rails. <laughs> I mean, we, we had a show. We have a, it was a serious topic to get to. You know, a lot of important discussions need to be had. And, and here's AJ, just just bringing it down to a blue collar level. This is why I am the more responsible, ladies and gentlemen, of the people who do this podcast. Because without me, this is it would just be AJ talking about you know weird you know asexual animals and their ability to change sex. Because you know, There's I don't. Uh, there's a following for everything, AJ. There's there's the entire Asian porn market, which we could uh, we could spend a, a seven podcasts breaking into just categories. We could, which we're never going to do. Damn. Listen, I understand that you're upset that you wish that there was more of a way for us to do this, but the truth is, my friend, there isn't. So, but we've had a little fun. But I want to do get into something. I, I don't know if you call it serious or at least moderately uh, different, but. Over the weekend, I believe it was this weekend, if not this weekend, last weekend, there were 75 shootings. It was this weekend, right, AJ? 75 shootings yeah. Yeah. in the city of Chicago. Um, I believe 12 fatalities. The rest were injured, some most, uh, some critical. And it's a situation that we've, we've talked about before on different venues. I know you've written about it. Uh, I've had a few meetings with people trying to get some interviewees in here. And on top of that, Last week, Spike Lee's new movie, Chirac, uh, released a trailer. And after that trailer was released, there were a lot of people raising concerns that this new movie is going to be a comedy. And Spike Lee has denied that. He says that they're using humor in a, sat- in a satiristic way, which I believe, and it makes sense if you've seen most of his films, but I wanted to get into it with AJ a little bit today of why people are so offended at the idea of a filmmaker using his art form to tell the story the way he thinks it can be most effectively told. And also, 
the reaction being in the wrong place. Because you and I have said several times, you know, off the air, that the problem with the term Chirac isn't that he used it. It's that it's it's that it fits. Mm-hmm. Very so, much so. You know, and, and you and I have, have been working with a lot of people uh, at, at various, you know, you with a lot of the activism stuff and then what was going on with Q4. We've talked about this issue. And we're not going to get bogged down in statistics today. We could we, we could talk about the fact that there have been 339 homicides this year. Last year we had 441. We're probably going to – we have a month left in the year. And it's, you know, iffy if we're going to break it or not. But we're close enough that it doesn't really matter. And I want to talk – first of all, I wanted to ask you, are you a fan of Spike Lee's other movies? Oh, yeah. I've, I, I think well, – didn't he do Jungle Love? Yes. So that was the first movie of his I remember watching when I was young, young, like not even a teen yet. Um, it just so happens it was on television for whatever reason, or my parents were watching, or something like that. But I, that was like the first film of his, and then the more conscious recollection I have is renting Malcolm X in a two VHS. VHS tape cassette thing and I saw the whole thing and then from that point forward I saw majority of Spike Lee's films I remember being young and seeing Malcolm X was his first movie of his that I saw and then as I got older and started taking film classes in college the Do the Right Thing was one of those movies that was like mandatory watching we also uh, I, I remember watching uh Inside Man, which is a great movie of his, but not so much in the uh, social political realm that he usually covers. And it, there, there's there been any number of things that he's been involved with that people have done. I think his documentary on Hurricane Katrina, When the Levees Broke for HBO, yes. is one of the best, if not the best documentary I've ever seen. It makes me cry every single time I watch it because that is a heartbreaking story. And he, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated filmmakers because he is constantly having criticisms levied at him that I don't feel are necessarily fair. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He gets more of a bad rap of people criticizing him for the kind of film projects he does than actual looking at his films and actually... Because he always provides a critical analysis of race relations and what is going on in society. I mean, not all of them, um, but he's very much very critical of race relations in the United States in most of his films. And, and with every reason to do so. I mean, let's face it. I mean, this isn't, this isn't Shangri-La, you know? So there's, there's a lot of stories to be told in that area. Now, with this film in particular, most of, of, of Spike Lee's films take place in New York. And, yes. and they have a very New York feel. This film is, you know, about a tragedy that has been playing out for 10 years uh, on the South Side of Chicago. I mean, longer than that, but it's been covered more by the media for the last 10 years. And when you hear that stat in the trailer that they use that Chicago has had more homicides than the United States lost soldiers in Iraq. 
the visceral re- the visceral reaction that you should have as a human being white black yellow purple i don't care you should look at that and go that's it's a residential area in the united states of america in a, in the number 3 city in the country and this is happening on a on a scale that is warlike and we tend to accept it you know you and i have talked about many times the 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 apathy even with the knowledge that every year with memorial day there is going to be a massive jump in shootings because the weather turns nice we all know it we all expect it and then we check the newspaper like it's like it's sports statistics to see it happen with you do you feel that it's unfair for a filmmaker out of New York to name a movie Chirac. No, I mean even. I think what 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 interests me more about this is that because of Spike Lee, and if you look at the breadth of films, he's done over thirty five films in his tenure as a writer, director, and producer. And if you look at all the films that have always been controversial, you know, when he said he was going to do this, I didn't doubt he was going to get criticized for it. Um, I feel because I know a lot of criticisms have come from other people who are also black, was criticizing him, saying, you know, you need to stop this. You're actually, and you're actually perpetuating a stereotype that we don't need. And, and Spike Lee is saying, you know, you need to voice that this is Chirac. You know, that it is gang, a, a narrative about gangs. It's a narrative about police brutality. It's a narrative of violence in both the South and West side of Chicago. And no one's talking about it. So Spike Lee, along with Kevin Lamont, who's one of the other writers and executive producers for this movie, has really said, you know what, we're going to talk about it, but more in a satirical light. And and satire has always been, I feel, that neutral medium in order to tell a story with the observations that are going on with something like the violence in Chicago. I was actually ecstatic when I heard he was making this movie. It's a story that needs to be uh, more widely shared of what's actually going on down there. And it's it, and, and I know what that nationally the perception is to just kind of forget it and go. And the reason that I know that is when I was a kid growing up, you know, it, it was New York. When I was a young kid, it was New York. New York is the worst place on earth. You can walk down the streets of New York and just get killed. And then when I was a teenager, it was Detroit. Detroit is the one city you don't go to, right? Because right. it's it's just a terrible place. I'm in my 30s now. That city is now my city. And it is also my city. It's also your city. We, we've worked here. We've lived here. This is our town. And they are. there is so much violence taking place on the south and west sides that your brain honestly can't even keep up with just the horrible thoughts that go into it and to have people just criticizing a filmmaker for attempting to go out and tell this story in the way that he sees it and covering these issues that need to be talked about is so 
it, it makes me wonder, man, about you know the, the PC culture that we live in. If there, if there isn't, you know, as much as we try to protect everybody, uh, a lot of the time, if this isn't partially the downside of it, that you can't be as honest as you'd want to be. Do, do you think about that at all? That maybe this is just an outgrowth of political correctness, the criticism that he's getting, or do you think it's more that it's Spike Lee and people just don't like Spike Lee? I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, there's some people who just don't like Spike Lee. And I also feel it is something coming out of the city of Chicago, as well as some other influential people in Chicago that just don't want it to be heard. It's fine that Detroit has that issue. It's fine for New York. It's fine for L.A. It's fine for Houston and Dallas. But, you know, damn if it's here in Chicago. You know, I mean, we hear it all the time. For... 120 or 412 deaths so far in Chicago. Where are you getting the first? Firstly, out of that, I would say half of that are from the police. No, that's not a. I mean, AJ, I got to stop you, man. That's not the right number. The the. I mean, look, the cops have not killed you know 200 people this year in Chicago. I don't. I I would have to respectfully disagree with that. I wouldn't even go as slow as 150. I'm. I'm Googling this right now. Uh, just You're not going to find it. You're not going to find police merge on there because they don't report it. Majority of the violence that is taking place on the south side is gang-fueled, AJ. You know that. There, there is some gang-fueling, but there's also police out there who also do this stuff. Oh, I'm not doubting that there aren't dirty cops. Rikita Boyd, Rikita Boyd, Dakota Bright, all of them, Flint Farmer, all of them have been victims of police brutality by either a gun in their head or tasing them. Stefan Watts, autistic boy, got shot by a police officer because he was coming at, because Anton was coming up on the officer and the officer didn't know what he was doing. So he just shot him. Yes. I'm not, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm saying that you can't categorically say that it's a hundred and listen, if that's true, then there's an entirely different national emergency taking place on the south side, man. But I'm, I'm just trying to say that we, we can't just say that without numbers to back it up. What we do know for sure is that there have been 400 homicides in the city of Chicago uh, this year. We know that. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's fueled mainly by gun violence, that this isn't, we're not talking stabbings or beatings here. We're right. talking just guns. And the influx of guns into this city is an issue that is so insanely complicated. Uh, for us to do it justice would take three and a half hours to really get into. But the it, it comes down to guns get into the city due to loopholes that exist in surrounding states' gun laws and in outside of Cook County gun laws. Right. And, and that's the stuff that people are really trying to fight. There's also... And what this movie seems to be doing, at least from the trailer and what we've heard, is to kind of shine a light on how it's not just this is the this is what I'm taking away from the trailer. That Spike Lee's message as being presented in a satirical manner is it's not just on the police and the government, it is also on the community that is having this violence take place. To kind of take play, uh, help itself. The the movie Chirac is actually based. I don't know if you know this. Do you know what it's based on? It's on a based on a 
1411 Greek play. Yes. How's Greeks coming back to always uh, show the proper way to enlighten the people? But, yeah, it's on a, a play called Listriata, uh, which I'm butchering and my father will yell at me. But it's about how the women of Athens and Sparta wanted to end the Peloponnesian War by stop by stopping having sex with their husbands and the play is you know it's greek so there's a lot of talks about erections and how the lack of sex turns men even more aggressive but the the overall idea is that the women take a role to say that the the stopping the war is now their their job and they do so by stopping to have sex with all of their men which is the plot of Chirac they're doing the same story and it is a comedy but it's a comedy in, in a way that deals with it's comedy in the way that when people talk about it's a Shakespearean comedy where they we're talking about old school definitions of comedy and drama where it's it's still a sad story and i like the idea of applying that i really think that this is a very creative ingenious way to tell this story don't you no i when i first heard about this um, I had to do some a little investigating myself about why people are upset with this because I've seen out of 35 films, maybe 10, maybe 12 of Spike Lee movies. And like I said before, there's usually something underlining that he, that he's doing. And after investigating, I learned about the Greek play and then learned about, um, Frank Lamont who is also a professor of um, media studies at Kansas University, who's also shown films at the Black F Harvest Film Festival in Chicago, um, I know, excuse me, three different times. And this is what he does. He talks about um, the story, the narrative of Afro African-Americans. Um, he, let's see here, uh, African-American film history, and he also does a lot of, screenwriting, like I said earlier, what have you. So between those two guys, you know, they really written a nice story on how to utilize, an, you know, an antiquated play and then make it more contemporary, which is not the first time this play has been injected in American culture. A lot of feminists in the 60s and 70s used that Greek play when talking about feminism and everything. But you do it in the black community, particularly in film, this is really something to be to be seen. I'm really looking forward to seeing this film. I, I, what I'm looking forward to with it more than anything else is is the opportunity to open up a, a, a dialogue with people who may not normally be willing to have it. You know, it's a Spike Lee joint, which is also, for the record, one of my favorite things about it is that it's not a this is not a Spike Lee film. It's a Spike Lee joint. I've always loved that little tagline. It just makes it seem a little bit different than what you're normally going to see. He is, in many ways, the precursor to Tarantino. This is a guy who makes a movie in his own way and covers issues that he finds important. And like you're saying, you know, he's got the 35 films. A lot of those are as producer, but as a director, you know, he's got some amazing things. You, you know, if you want to start with She's Gotta Have It, School Days, Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, Jungle Fever, Malcolm X, Crooklyn, great movie, Crooklyn, uh, Four Little Girls, He Got Game, I'm just going through the big ones here, Summer of Sam, which is the John Leguizamo 
Mm-hmm. Movie about the 70s, Bamboozled. Uh, let's see what else we got here. She Hate Me, Sucker Free City, The 25th Hour, When the Levees Break. I'm only going through this because I want to make sure that people know this guy's been doing this for almost 30 years. And the dialogue that we're going to be able to, to come off of this, there are people who say that Do the Right Thing did more for race relations in New York than anything else that took place. And movies have a power in them that make you empathize with the main character. And, and what scares me about this movie is that not enough people are going to see it because it's so controversial. And that's and I, that's what we're not really getting into that we should is why do you think that this movie is considered controversial? Like, honest to God, I can't think of anything, really. Um, it's because, from what I've heard from people, that it's controversial in that of Spike Lee using stereotypes. That some people feel that, you know, it's not everyone in the black community that shoots up people. And as well as kind of amplifying other stereotypes. It's the gangs, it's the pimps, it's this, it's that. Um, so even though Spike Lee is actually put in the actual pulse of what's actually going on, a lot of people are just upset because of he's actually amplifying stereotypes that really don't need to be amplified. As well as the idea that, you know, Chicago doesn't have that much violence. But Chicago does have that much violence. But if you listen to McCarthy and a few others, it's like, we have violence, but it's just the gangs. We have it covered. If you hear any of those PR people, they they will not say that Chicago is that violent of a city. All right, we're going to get into something a little bit different here. And, and the only reason I'm saying that is because I want to talk about this. So you're saying that the reason that this movie is being presented as controversial... I mean, I know that McCarthy and Rahm are against the idea of this movie. That that much we know from just the media coverage that we've seen. But do they honest, Do you think they honestly believe that? Or do you think they're saying it to save their own asses? They're doing it to save their own asses because look at the things Rahm is trying to bring to Chicago. The NFL draft, the, the NBA, the NBA draft, the all these things. He wants to bring all these big things into Chicago, and you can't have these things if you're having people out there saying people are shooting everything up around the city. You know, I mean, we just said about Detroit. People are not going to Detroit because obviously every block you're gonna have a shooting. You know, same with New York City and everything. When Forbes magazine. And this, and it was really a blowout of proportion. Forbes magazine four years ago once said Springfield, Illinois was the most dangerous city in the U.S. Springfield, Illinois was. That, I look it up. Forbes magazine put this out and it was only based on homicides, but they didn't really investigate further on why those homicides happened as well as the actual low um, turn the low rate, excuse me, of homicides actually happened in Springfield. So they actually went off old data and everything. So, and that's what people are really concerned about when it comes to the city officials. You know, if you have all this information that you have, you know, a little over 400 homicides that happened in Chicago, you know, and then that increases and everything, do you think you, you want your event in Chicago. So you're, you believe that they know how bad the problem is, but they're deliberately misleading the public and the public perception 
to attempt to keep drawing in big business, which I don't, I'm not arguing that that's not what they're doing. I believe that's 100% what they're doing, but I want to make sure that we're clear on what yes, you're saying. they're sweeping things under the rug, and, and in my view, there's a lump in the middle of the rug, and it's like, oh, don't worry about that. To me, do they think that we don't – I guess that what bugs me about that is just this idea that do they think that we don't uh, – see it happening do they think that majority of people or is it or is it people aren't seeing it happen because let's face it you and i know about this we talk about this this issue but how many friends do you have do you really think care about this issue even so much i mean i have friends who do the facebook activism thing and nothing against them but they they definitely go out and you know post whatever they're going to do and as time goes on you know, they, they make their little post and then they kind of ignore the issue. And and to me, the, the more that you follow this story, it just becomes this self-repeating cycle that every single year we go through the same thing. We're going to make all these changes to the police force. We're learning all these different ways to deal with people. And then, you know, summer hits and we still have all the homicides. And we always talk about it every winter. Oh, well, the numbers are going to be better this year. Look at how well we're doing statistically. We're well below what we, what it would be. And then every summer we just explode into a war zone because people are finally back outside. I, I, I guess the, the next thing to wonder is if they are doing this to just protect the public perception. No, I, I, I really, that's why I really feel that way. Um, and most of my friends are actually concerned about it because they're in various organizations in Chicago trying to curb the violence and talk to certain gang leaders and other key people in the south and west side of Chicago and everything, as well as other issues to address. So, I mean, but I can't tell you how many times that when I lived in the South Side of Chicago and it was actually blown out a portion of various things, but where I lived was Woodlawn, which is just south of Hyde Park. For those who don't know Chicago neighborhoods that well, I mean, that's where Obama, his house is there and everything. University of Chicago is right there. And even University of Chicago doesn't want that image on them, you know, and they're trying everything in their power to kind of gentrify the South Side, as well as utilize their campus law enforcement to curb certain things. They're even doing their own PR and saying, it's not that bad, you know, and they try to beautify parts of the South Side. It says, it's fine to live down here, just come to our school. You know, there's no violence, that's over there, you know, but no, it's right five blocks from you. With the fact that the president of the United States, because he's, and I'm only saying it with his full title because he, when you say Obama, it humanizes the guy. But this is the president of the United States. It is arguably where his house is the safest block in America, right? Like there's Secret Service yeah. there 24 7. And Secret Service, State Police, University of Chicago Police. My house had three rounds of law enforcement in. Seemed like 25 minute increments. One would be Secret Service, one would be City of Chicago, and one would be University of Chicago. And just a couple blocks away, there are people living in abject poverty and in essentially places where bullets are flying nonstop. Absolutely. 
it's it, people who don't live in this city and and granted we're the Chicago podcast network so most people listening are from here but if you live here and if, especially if you don't you need to understand that in comparison to other major metropolitan cities Chicago is small I don't mean population wise I mean geographically the city of Chicago is a very condensed city. It's all on top of each other. New York is a sprawling metropolis. L.A. is a sprawling metropolis. Houston and Dallas, these are places where, you know, the city limits are basically where DuPage County ends and Lake County ends for us, right? Here, right. you know, Cook County is basically the city of Chicago and some of the closer suburbs, but the city of Chicago itself is very, very small. And you can, and we all know this, you can go from, you know, the Gold Coast to abject poverty, as long as there's not traffic, in seven minutes. Exactly. I mean, you, take, you ever want to know what the city of Chicago is really like on a daily basis? Drive down North Avenue. Start at Michigan Avenue and drive, I guess, I don't think Michigan Avenue and North. No, they do intersect. Start at Michigan hey. Avenue and North and head west. And you will literally drive through every possible ethnicity style of, of, of poverty and neighborhood and come out on the other side again in, you know, a wealthy white suburb. But if you just drive down North Avenue, you can see everything. Yeah. I mean, you can even do the whole thing of, you know, you can say you can start in Evanston and take Lakeshore, Drive all the way south as it goes, and then connects to the Dan Ryan. Uh, well, not even the Dan. I'm I'm just talking about this along the Lake Shore until you. There's another road I forgot what, but it is that you can get on and takes you down to Roseland. Right. Yeah, you're right. And and, and then you're see that portfolio of affluency and poverty. You can go over to the was it the Roseland Street Beach or whatever that is over there that yeah. that park where there's always. Such an eclectic collection of people. The more that this this movie gets talked about, first of all, there are some people in it I want to mention. You have uh, Wesley Snipes playing a a, a gangbanger who apparently, in the, from the trailer that I've seen, it reminds me a lot of Willie Mays Hayes from Major League. John Cusack is playing a priest who is loosely based on Father Flagger here in the city. You've got. Um, Angela Bassett and Vivica Fox are both in this movie. Uh, a, a cast of a lot of young people. Michael B. Jordan is in this movie. He played Johnny Storm in the last Fantastic Four movie that bombed. This movie is 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 a big deal and is and is getting into a lot of stuff. And Spike Lee has come out and said, you know, repeatedly to the people who say that he's they're afraid. My friend, the one thing I love about this movie, AJ, is the idea that he's getting criticized. In every possible way. He's being criticized for covering the issue at all, not taking the issue seriously and making the movie into a comedy. Let's face it, he's a New Yorker coming to Chicago and telling us what to do, so that's automatically some points against him here. They've criticized Spike Lee's work in the past as being, you know, race baiting, and he's being accused of, of using black stereotypes in a negative way. I don't think there's any other way that you can criticize Spike Lee right now. No, and one of the cast members you left out was Jennifer Hudson. Right, sorry. Who lives in Chicago, in the South. So I wasn't nothing to be sorry about, but what is more telling is she's in it, 
And what's more to the point of her family got shot. Right. You know, so she has experienced what it's like to live in Chirac, you know, and I'm sure Angela Bassett, Samuel L. Jackson and others. And John Cusack is from Chicago. Um, yeah, I was very happy to see him in the trailer. I, know, I had heard that he was in it, but I didn't think it was going to be in that big of a role. Uh, right. and, and I'm very excited to see him playing that because I feel, and you know, you can get in trouble for saying something like this, but I do feel that John Cusack is the perfect person to play, for lack of a better term, the white role in this movie that is about a predominantly black area. You know, he, well, yeah, he could have played, I mean, obviously he's going to do well as the um, religious leader in the role, but he could have played, they could have made him a city official, a corporate guy, but yeah, he could be a very flexible white character in somewhere in that film. Well, I, I also am a big fan of his because he's, He's the everyman actor, right? Like, he's the kind of actor who is the stand-in for you, me, whoever, as a normal human being. He's not Schwarzenegger or The Rock, where they look like Greek gods. He's John Cusack. He looks like you. So when you watch a movie like 2012 or 1408, you're experiencing what he's going through, through him, and having an empathetic reaction to what's happening. And... The fact that he's got such close ties to Chicago, we can get into his Cubs-White Sox thing another time, but the fact that he's got such close connections to the city allows for him to be sort of the prism through which white Americans can kind of identify with as the through line through this film, You know, which is not to say that that's what his role is going to be. We haven't seen the movie yet, but he's he's a great casting choice because you cannot help but go, okay, maybe I don't, and I'm just saying, if you're, if you're a white American from, you know, from affluence, you, maybe you don't have a connection in your brain to be empathetic to the situation. You, you cast a John Cusack, and by doing so, you're, you're almost casting, you know, insert random American person here. You know what I'm saying? No, no, exactly, exactly. And... I, I like that he's a Father Flager character who, Father Flager, you know, there are people who can uh, accuse him of being a publicity hound. I don't agree with that. I think Father Flager is one of the few really good men in this city who is actively not trying to line his own pocket, but is trying very hard to fix what looks to be an almost insolvable problem. Have you had any dealings with him personally? I've ran into him a few times. What do you? What are your opinion on the man, Father Flager? Uh, I I guess I would be one of those critics that he does certain things for PR purposes and what have you. I, I mean, does he do good work? I'm not saying he doesn't. Um, he's actually using um, religion and inserting social justice into that. So I mean, I'm not going to give him flack for that and everything, but I. I I do kind of question sometimes some of his methods when doing certain things and as well as using his church and what have you. And and one of those things that came really early on is for those who remember when Jeremiah Wright got criticized for Obama and Jeremiah Wright stepped down from Trinity United Church down there at 95th Street in Chicago, then Father Flager substituted a few um services and he kind of used that for his own gain 
But again, I mean, that's just my view. All right. No, I, but it, to, to, that's interesting to me because I've never been the man in person. I am simply going off of what I've seen uh, publicly and for what I've seen covered on that, again, controversial program for telling the truth. It's, it's, it's amazing, by the way, AJ, the, the, the more the world goes on, how we keep using the term controversial for people who are just telling the truth. Uh, Bernie Sanders is another great example of that. Well, and I think we, we should controversy is not that bad of a word. I mean, you know what? That's a good point. It isn't. I mean, I've talked about controversy in, in business school. They talk about controversy, you know, and controversy is one of those things that you are bringing something up because you are either principled and trying to keep an organization to its mission and vision and everything. But yeah, you have those people who are controversial for the sake of being controversial. You know, so it's, I mean, controversy should not be a bad term. You know, I've been considered controversial in, in different capacities and everything. And some people thought that was a bad thing and some people think it's a good thing. But, you know, it really depends on how you perceive what controversy is. What do you, I, I'm curious, then that you brought it up. So what do you think controversy is? Because you're right. Controversy is this term that people use as such a negative term in today's culture. But realistically, what does it really mean? It means that something is, has, you know, people who are dedicated to beliefs on both sides of an issue. And that there are disagreements on how to handle certain issues. But that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing to be controversial. Some of the most important people in human history are controversial, right? Right. I mean, you, you can draw a line, and I'm not going to sit here and name a bunch of them because that's not fair to the ones who don't make the list off the top of my head. But there's, you know, the big ones we're talking about, just a few, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, you know, Robert Kennedy. Those are just American ones from recent history. The idea that because something is controversial that it shouldn't be talked about is, is another problem that we're having. My dad... Uh, as he's getting older, loves to refer to, you know, he uses a P, but he likes to call it the wussification of America. We've talked about that before. And he sees it in stuff with political correctness or with uh, keeping kids safe or all that kind of stuff. With me, I see that more in the idea of what makes us such a, a wimpier country than we used to be is um, we used to not have problems tackling issues like this head on. I'm not saying that people weren't always on, people were not always on the right side of every issue. And I mean, that much is certain, but there was always a willingness to at least have a discussion about something that was considered controversial. Now you can't even bring up topics without somebody kind of shooting you down for no reason. Right. And, exactly. And this movie that is dealing with, if you live in this state, if you live in this in, in, in the area around or in Chicago, this is a serious issue. This is affecting an entire generation of young kids who live in a damn war zone. CNN did that, uh, that Chicagoland documentary. And, you know, again, the term controversial was used when it was being made. And yes, there there are there are a lot of issues with it. It paints Rahm Emanuel and uh, McCarthy as heroes again, you know, as as the little girls with the or the little boy with the finger in the dam, you know, trying to stop an onslaught of violence. Which, if you live here, you know, it's not that simple. But the more 
you followed that documentary, I will remember. I, I I actually teared up, man. Did you did you watch that thing, the Chicagoland thing on CNN? I did. When the little girl uh, talks about the school closings, and they're trying to explain to the cameras why they don't want their schools closed, and the little girl talks about how on one side of division she knows she's safe, on the other side of division she knows that she's at risk to be killed and that they are asking her to change her thing where every day she is going to have to walk through enemy gang territory and it terrifies her. I grew up in Glenview, Illinois. There is almost no finer representation of a John Hughes childhood than mine. And I'm not saying that to be egotistical. I'm stating it so people know where I'm coming from. My biggest concern when I woke up in the morning was that I just did not want to go to school, right? Right. These kids wake up, and with the school closings that they've had, they can't even conceive of, it's like, it's not a question of not wanting to go to school. It's like, is there anything going on at school today that's worth me risking my life over? Right. I mean, that's, that's the world that these people are living in, and then you have one of the best filmmakers of the last 50 years show up and go, I'm going to tell your story so that people know it. And the reaction is that this dude gets just villainized by people from every side of the issue. And all he's trying to do is, is what, what's the, the quote, the, 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 the only thing that evil needs to flourish is for good people to do nothing. Right. That I feel like Spike Lee, whatever you feel about the guy personally, uh, and I hate the New York Knicks, so screw him, but as a filmmaker, as an artist, the guy deserves all the credit in the world. Quentin Tarantino is considered what the, the best filmmaker going right now, right? You can make that argument at least. And oh, yeah. he doesn't make very – his movies are controversial or – you know, looked down upon because they're overly violent. But at the end of the day, he's not really dealing with serious issues. Even Django, which, you know, is dealing with racism in a way, is dealing with racism of the 1870s, 1880s, and is playing it for more of a comedic effect. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really get into the issues of of, of race as an issue beyond that, right? Spike, well, go ahead. Take that, I mean, take that for a moment. I mean... I could argue Django was more con was as controversial as any Spike Lee's projects, and you don't hear that about Quentin Tarantino. You know they do Spike Lee that Spike Lee's controversial, but you don't use that term around Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, they do. They do all the time. They call they call him a controversial filmmaker all the time for the violence with Django. He was remember he was receiving all that criticism for overuse of the N word. Well, with Django, but I've never heard about Pulp Fiction, never heard about with Grindhouse, never heard about any other films. I, I, I agree that it wasn't at the same level as Django, but he's always been criticized for the over for the violence. Well, for the violence, yeah. But never but for I mean, the issues. I can remember well, Jungle Fever, Crooklyn, Bamboozled, Chirac. Um, every single time it's controversial, controversial, controversial. The, yes... But my, my but the point that I'm trying to make is he's considered that more for the violence and maybe the choice of words. Where Spike Lee, it's because he has had the guts to basically, even Michael Morris kind of vanished off into the ether a little bit. I'm sure he's working on something, but 
Spike Lee for the last 30 years has con- consistently been the one person to show up and go, I'm going to tell this story and the hell with you. You know, this is, this is, I'm an artist and I'm going to reflect what I think needs to be told. And he doesn't get the credit for that, that I feel he's due. And I, I, I don't like every Spike Lee movie. I hate the movie Bamboozled. I'm not a big fan of a lot of his work, but as an artist, I respect the crap out of the guy because he's willing to take chances. He's willing to deal with issues that most people are afraid to even come near. And he, to his credit, is standing there with everybody in this city uh, in a position of any sort of influence coming down on him to go, no, there's nothing you can do. This is an important issue to me. This is an important story to me. And God damn it, I'm going to tell it. Here's the question I'd ask you. We're coming up. we got about 15 minutes left in the show. Do you feel that Spike Lee is the kind of person who does this kind of movie to make money? Because I don't. Uh, in what way? Are you saying that he makes these films and makes it controversial in order for make it bad press and then he gets money no, off no, that? No, 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 no. I, I literally mean that, do you think that Spike Lee is the kind of dude who goes, I'm going to go make the movie Chirac because I know I'll make a crap load of money off of that movie? Because I don't think that's the way he thinks. No, anytime I've heard him do an interview and, and he does a lot of stuff with the Tisch Art School in New, in New York University, he always talks about the art of film and art and being an artist. So I've always see him more as an artist than um, Michael Bay. He does movies for the make of money. Right. He, and that's my point is that Spike Lee, Michael Bay goes, I'm going to make Transformers because I'll make $500 million. And yeah, I'm sure that there's a part of him who's like, I've got a creative idea how to do it, whatever. Cause you know, you do have to have that to even complete the project. But with Spike, Kevin Smith yeah, Kevin Smith also does a lot of stuff just to make money. I, I mean, there's no doubt about that, and he, but he freely admits that. Uh, that- I, I also don't think that Kevin Smith makes movies. Uh, to, I don't think that he doesn't make money either anymore. I think he did for a while. I mean, you can argue that's what Cop Out is, but with Kevin Smith, even. I'm trying to think of other filmmakers who are on the same line. Like, okay, so Spielberg makes Schindler's List. But at the end of the day, how controversial really is Schindler's List? It's controversial in its accurate portrayal of the Holocaust because that's just something where people are like, I don't necessarily want to watch that. But taking the side of Nazis bad, Jews good, not exactly the most controversial position. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, the important movies that get made even, you know, Francis Ford Coppola makes Apocalypse Now. That's a controversial film. That's a interesting critique on America's war culture and what it means to actually fight in a war and how screwed up the Vietnam War was. Controversial, yes, but even in the time period it was made, this is still the kind of movie where you're like, okay, well, the Vietnam War bad, not the mo- you know in 1978, not the most controversial movie. You know what I'm saying? Like the war was already over by the time they were filming that movie. Well, that's the thing with me and the media and other people who give Spike Lee a bad rap. I mean, look at if you look at the films he's done, all right? Some of them I just mentioned, Jungle Fever, Chirac Now, um, and uh, let's say those two, in Bamboozle, all right? Those three, they'll say, oh, he's controversial, da-da-da. But they soon forget that he also did The Miracle at Santa Ana, that he also did... 
the Kings of Comedy, the original Kings of Comedy, that he did the concert for New York City, that he also did his story on film, Volume 2, Michael Jackson's. Right. You know, and John Leguizamo's stand-up special freak. So it's like you soon forget he's done all these other great things that are part of pop culture. And how many times have people watched the original Kings of Comedy with Steve Harvey, Bernie Mac, Cedric the Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, that's on Comedy Central or somewhere else many times over, you know, and they love that, and Spike Lee did that, but we're going to rag on him for these films that are pretty much a very small population to the whole portfolio of his film projects. That's also that's, that's a fair point, because no one seems... Granted, some of those aren't the best films, but it's just one of those things where you go... This is not a guy who goes out of his way every single time to piss people off. It's just whenever you hear his name, chances are he's doing something that pisses people off. And and I think my thing is we're as we're getting close to wrap this thing up is I I don't understand why this movie is pissing so many people off. Like the numbers aren't there. Like we don't know what's going on. Like by to me it feels like this, AJ. It feels like people are saying by Spike Lee making this movie, he's making the situation worse. Which is exactly. which is bull. It's just total it bull. And I, I, I'm very excited to see this film. I know it's going to get a big Chicago premiere, and, and and I'm glad about that. I'm glad that this is a movie that's being talked about in this city because, let's face it, you're in with the activism scene. I do a lot of radio stuff. I talk to a lot of people. This issue isn't. It's really not on people's front burner. It's not. It, it not as much as it should be. Would you agree? No, I, I do agree with that. If this was happening in the Gold Coast, or this was happening in Wilmette, or this was happening in Glenview, where people were dying at this kind of rate, the National Frickin' Guard would be called in. Of course. But because it's poor black people on the south side of Chicago, we're ignoring it, at least in... I don't even know what the hell you call it, AJ. What do, what do you call the difference in culture between... People who live in the South Side, and I, I don't like calling it the ghetto because that's dismissive. I, There are such things as ghettos. Ghettos were Brainy Green, Robert Taylor. Those were the ghetto, right? Most of these mm-hmm. people that we're talking about, Englewood is not the ghetto. It's a freaking neighborhood. Right. The only thing that's different is that there's no work opportunity. There's no stores there. There's no, for God's sakes, we live in a city. We live in a major metropolitan city, my friend, where there are kids who have never seen the frickin' lake. Oh, they haven't been downtown. Right. They haven't, they haven't been downtown. We took kids from the preschool right there on 60th Street to downtown first time. And the next day they said, I want to better, better my education. Because that's the first time they saw downtown, the first time they saw the Sears Tower, you know, and they lived there for 16 years of their lives. It makes me think, in, in, in an abject way of another movie, it makes me think of almost like the Hunger Games, in a way where right. it's like the idea of the capital, right? Which, in their instance, would be you know the city of Chicago. You can see the Sears Tower every day when you walk to school or you get up and go to work. You can see it there. But it's an abstract idea, right? It's like something that's there, but you never even consider going to it. And that's To, to sit here and say that somehow this is all Spike Lee's fault, 
that he's making this movie and that he's making this situation worse. When at the end of the day, no, you sons of bitches, the situation is so bad that Spike Lee can, in fact, name a movie Chirac, and it does make sense. I mean, the only controversial film that can be made about the situation in Chicago is a pure, somewhat pure, I should put pure quotes, pure documentary of what really goes on. And the problem with that is that... Docu- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I completely see what you're saying. But the problem with that is documentaries um, like that, people... you you I believe, I, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm a big supporter of the power of fiction over true stories. I believe you can read true books, like people's true stories, and like a, a Hillary Clinton autobiography, or... You know, a Malcolm X book or David McCullough's 1776. And yes, those true stories, you can get a lot out of them. But fiction allows for empathy in a way that nonfiction does not. And as much as a documentary, you can have a reaction to what you're seeing because it's real. It doesn't sit with you the same way as going on a journey with a character and experience what they experience through your own eyes. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, and I agree with that to that point of, you know, having a, a fictional story based on true events and, you know, kind of following that character through that narrative and everything. And I agree with that. But again, it's to that point, and that point is, yeah, documentaries are not as sexy as fictional stories are, but, you know, you can still do creative documentaries where it's like from a, a point of view and you do a collage of them and actually seeing, you know, this is what happens from, say, 7 in the morning till 7 at night or even 11 at night. What happens in the day of the life of someone living in Inglewood? Do you, uh, we're getting ready to wrap this thing up and I've said that a few times here, but is there, <laughs> I, I only like to say it because it, it's important for, you know, try to get to the point of this whole thing, which is, there's going to be this movie coming. What is this? Chirac, I feel, is going to be a good film. And there's a lot of amplified PR against Spike Lee and about this project and everything. And really the pulse of what's going on in Chicago. People need to see it and then hopefully have a further conversation and get involved in how to curb the violence in Chicago. Let's get it down to a hundred homicides a year. Let's 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 aim. Let's let's set the bar really low, and maybe we can finally get it. Anything else you want to add, AJ? Before we call it a day on the the fun topic that was the Chirac uh, discussion today. Nope. Uh, I just just want to say that this, you know, watch the film and. Don't make an opinion before you see the film. I, I would agree with that as well, and definitely don't make your basis on a trailer that Spike Lee has nothing to do with editing uh, before it gets released. Uh, we got about a, a couple minutes. I want to say this to anybody who's listening to the podcast, just to let you know: on December seventeenth, we will be uh, recording a episode of our podcast in front of the Pickwick Theater ahead of the Star Wars: The Force Awakens Episode Seven premiere. There are so many subtitles to that movie, man, and. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of an event there. We'll be giving away some stuff, uh, some prizes for people who come in dressed in costume. We'll have a little bit of a trivia thing going on. Uh, granted, it's all for shameless self-promotion, but it's also to make sure that we give this movie the uh, respect that it deserves coming out ahead of time. AJ will be making a rare Cook County appearance on that day, as according to him. AJ, is that true? 
That'd be true. All right. So we're going to be doing a recording live in person. Uh, AJ and I self, a couple of my friends will be there. Uh, we're going to have a little film crew kind of, you know, documenting the whole thing. It'll be a great uh, freaking time. So come on out to the Pickwick Theater in Niles, Illinois, on December 17th to go see Star Wars The Force Awakens. Anything other than, uh, we got nothing else to talk about right now. AJ, say goodbye to the good people. Adios, muchachos. See, he changes it every time. That's why you've got to listen to the whole show. My name is Nick Serranos. Thank you so much for listening to Out Front with AJ and Nick. This has been a presentation of the Chicago Podcast Network. I want to thank everybody for listening. Find us on Facebook under Chicago Podcast Network. Find us on Twitter under Chicago Podcast One. And you can email us, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All of those avenues are available for you to come and reach out to me and then tell us that you hate Spike Lee. Uh, except for Reggie Miller, you're not allowed to email because that's an ESPN thing, and all I will ever say is that my favorite Spike Lee moment of all time is Spike Lee saying, I have never, ever, ever, ever in my life ta- taunted Reggie Miller with chance of his sister's name. Cheryl. Cheryl. Never, ever, ever. Best Spike Lee moment of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We out! This has been a production of the Chicago Podcast Network. Theme music provided by the Free Music Archive. Morning Blue by Josh Woodward. That's Josh Woodward on the Free Music Archive. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.